I think than um, anybody I can put a name to to promote our sport. The archer who owns all the world records, John Demmer III. You know, the more difficult a thing is, the more important the mental game becomes. I, I didn't eat any supper yet either. How about you guys? Do you guys eat yet? I didn't eat Oh, that. you know, uh, I have some crunch berries. Grayson oh, Parlo. It's like me taking three or four years off your eyes just because I weakened that prescription in the shooting eye. And don't put everything into my shot that I should, that I get a lot of drop on those heavy arrows. He's dropping all the way down. He said, well, you might want to think about going to a lighter arrow in the spring walking. And that's what got that started. So. and you squeeze your glutes and you squeeze your um, hamstrings, you're automatically tightening that lower back. And for some of us bigger guys, some of us older people, uh, I guess, oh my God, I just classified myself as old. Um, You know, I don't think NTS is the way. And that's why. Because you can't expect everyone to have that same level of mobility that it takes to get the full coil. Are you, are you having issues with audio, Elton? No, I'm trying to set up the iPads on office. Oh, yeah, it. take your time. No worries. Um, okay. So, so I, you know, in my opinion, Jack, one of the reasons that we don't see the injuries in Barebow specifically is because we're not shooting that heavy weight. We can get away with the not so wonderful alignment. Um, you know, I don't think the rotational draw is, is really good either. And the only reason I say that is because um, for simplicity reasons, I like like what Grayson does. I like when you're setting that alignment early and I'll be honest with you, I took my level four and I had multiple, I met with um, Guy Kruger directly. And this, this thing isn't what they taught us in my level four. They taught us about setting that barrel of the gun really early but then when what, what we end up seeing is we see that draw to load that comes within an inch of the of the um, the chin and then into anchor and people somewhere along the line that transferred into this. And, you know, I don't I don't really care. I don't care how you do it. If you whatever you do, if you repeat it, it's going to work. Um you know, but as far as injuries, I think maybe an Olympic recurve, you could see injuries because you're shooting a higher poundage in barebow. We don't do that. We don't shoot those crazy poundage like Brady does and shoot 70 meters and stuff. So we get away with more period point blank. So Elton, how is your ride? That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, uh, so, I'm glad you made it, dude. I'm glad you made it. Yeah. No, that you're was, like that stressed was, out. You're like, ah. yeah. So I, it, it it's actually, I got to take this off. It was actually worse because, um, but the snow hitting coming down so hard, um, I had to have the, the defroster heat cranked in the truck. So, yeah. because the wipers were, I sit up 
and uh of course that makes the cabin like stupid hot right <laughs> so yeah, yeah. we were sweating it out in the cabin i actually had the windows partway open um just so that we didn't die it was real hot uh but yeah that was kind of white knuckle um i was the uh, one of the few dumbasses out on the road i got i got caught due to a travel delay i, I stayed for dinner with my parents. um and so i got on the road late and that just chain reaction of events and yeah, yeah. it was but i'm home thankfully thank the lord yeah, dude. And, uh, um, i'm glad i'm glad i didn't know if you'd like feel after that ride i didn't know if you would feel like even wanting to get on so i was like oh yeah, i really i'm did. gonna ad lib the crap out of this one and see if he actually gets on and if he does we'll be good to go but so what have you been up to besides archery you fishing or what i i've been um sort of so i actually came in on your conversation topic like at exactly the right time because oh, perfect i'm i'm gonna say some stuff that is gonna be controversial um but it's my uh -oh. personal uh-oh uh-oh so you know take that the barebow project we never say anything controversial <laughs> yeah all right um, go ahead have at it the floor is yours um all right so let me give you the 90 second backstory on what my life has been up to. Um, uh, we went to Florida, vacation, came home, got COVID, right? Um, wasn't horrible, was like a bad cold, somewhere between a cold and a flu, but it knocked us out for like a week, week and a half. Um, so real tired and uh, I, I, I didn't train at all, right? I, I just put my indoor bro together like right before I left Florida, I sh shot like, I started to find my tune because I swore I was going to get started earlier this year, because I always end up waiting until November. Um, the universe does not want me to start before November, apparently, because I went to Florida, I came home, I had COVID, I didn't feel like shooting until the end of October, and here I was, beginning of November, trying to find a tune. Um, I had two sessions in, and Ooh, I realized I had lost a lot of strength, like, an unusual amount of strength. And I don't know if it was because of the virus or just because I stopped shooting after target nationals. Like I literally didn't touch a bow after target yeah. nationals. I went fishing a whole bunch, tried to go up for salmon a whole bunch. Um, but, and COVID screwed that up. Sorry, John. Uh, but yeah, so what happened was I was way weak. Like I, previous years average 36-ish, 36, 37 off the fingers. And I find reasonable tune in that range. Um, I was struggling to pull 32 like off the fingers. It was really bizarre, right? Um, so I tried to find a mediocre tune that worked. And in the process, I was trying to find my form. Now, the backstory that I want to go into is at, for Target Nationals, um, I was experimenting with a few different things and you know trying to work on my target panic and all that jazz. And so I wanted a more stable hold, right? So I dropped a, um, my anchor down to here, yeah. okay? Um, which is the antithesis of my normal indoor anchor, which is up here. Right. Okay. And so this, I found, gave me a lot of comfort for target outdoor, um, all the way up to like 38, 39 pounds, way above my average, right? And I did not train a lot for target outdoor. Um, you're going to see a theme here. I didn't put a bow together until seven weeks before target nationals. Uh, so, I think I remember that guilty there um but yeah so i had a lot of draw power even though i didn't train a lot and what i found was being down in this line lower made it easier yep. okay 
And I have been kind of lamenting the impact of my NTS training and trying to apply it to Barebow for a while. I mean, I've, I've been vocal about that to a bunch of our, our crowd, you know, sure. you include. Yeah. Didn't work for me. It broke me. Um, it made things worse. And so it was weird because I, I can relate to that statement. <laughs> it was weird for Target Nationals because I found myself like, oh, down here is comfy and I feel braced. I'm inside the bow and everything's great. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's the backstory about Target Nationals and the new the low anchor. So I go into trying to set this bow up first tune early September before the trip and then COVID and then coming back early November, one session indoor anchor, but trying to maintain that NTS inline barrel of the gun with the shoulders down. Yeah. Right? And if you look, staring in the mirror, I realize something. Like my arm has to come up here. To yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Yep. be in line with and my elbows out here in the draw force line and all that jazz. I'm creating sort of an inverse trapezoid here. Right. right? And while a triangle is you know, an exceptional least if we were to draw. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're talking about. Right, we got it. Triangle yeah. strong. Trapezoid is, is not quite as strong, right? right? So with the compressive force of the bow trying to pull me together, I'm using a ton of muscles to keep these shoulders down in that trapezoid. So here's the controversial part. That was the epiphany um, because I actually ended up in an injury. Uh, second week of November. Wait, wait, I, wait, wait from you but you so you ended up with an so end, trying, shooting, like trying to shoot nts in a sense yes yeah, with an indoor okay. all right over about and i'm like all right let's get back to training i gotta find this tune right and get yeah. ready even though i'm late again um <laughs> shoulders down tucked in tight you know like the nts just barrel the gun but high indoor anchor right for the correct indoor crawl and a week not even a week, but three days, four days after that first training session. And I took it kind of easy. It was mostly like holding drills and stuff like that um, to try to yeah. gain better sight control, right? At, at the point of process. Um, my trap and my lat started hurting a lot on my left side. Both that's, sides, really? Yeah, yeah. And so that's extremely rare. For me. Like I, yeah. I don't recall I've ever had that. I've had like um, draw side trap issues but never both sides so i went to a chiropractor um who, who's pretty renowned i guess in some circles in this valley and um he's holistic naturopath and so he examined me did his thing he's like you have nerve damage. like wait what <laughs> um apparently i had started to impact the nerve endings in the trap and the lats wow. um to some extent where I didn't have full control of my deltoids. Like you would put uh -huh. resistance on my arm and I would try to lift it like, uh, like that. And yeah. I couldn't do it. so he's like, it's going to, it's going to take like a couple sessions to fix this. He's like, I can fix this. I've seen this before. Blah, 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 blah. Um, so I put my faith and trust in him and it wasn't misplaced, um, but it meant three weeks of, I can't touch a bow, which yeah. kind of sucks. Right. And so, you know, in general, that sucks. And then it's, um, yeah, it's like two months of the classic. So what am I going to do? Um, but I, I wrote it out and I picked up the boat week and a half, two weeks ago, whatever, like with the holidays and everything. Um, and I started trying again and I still didn't feel strong. Like 32 pounds like this, like was rough. I'm like, all right, something doesn't add up. Like I've never had issues 
um, shooting below 35 inches pounds, even with atrophy and all that jazz, because I haven't touched a post since target nationals or whatever, right. you know, continuously yeah. like shooting for an hour plus every day or whatever. And so um, I attributed it to possibly, you know, the damage or muscle growth issues or whatever. Um, but I still, still kept trying to find the correct form. So Matt Yap is going to laugh because last week I started trying a different form, right? Here we are three weeks before the class. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, this, this is going to work for me. Let me try something different. Yeah. Um, and that is probably the premise of my tongue in cheek joke this morning. Yeah. Um, and probably the main talking point that we really want to get at is not being afraid to change things. So yeah. the controversy, Instead of doing the NTS thing up here, I am challenging everyone, if they're willing to take on a form change, at whatever point they're willing to take on a form change, don't be afraid to let the shoulders and traps come up just a bit. Yeah. What ends up happening is you go from a trapezoid that's like this yeah. to more a trapezoid that is more horizontal, right? Sure. And it actually brings your wrist bow shoulder draw shoulder um component closer to your arrow draw force line right yeah, yeah, yeah. your yeah. shoulders are they're down and they're back here and when you hunch up you're bringing them up an inch or two okay yeah. and that shortens the height of that trapezoid it flattens it out and it allows you to get inside the bow more sure and so i i think the controversial you know, walking point, everybody's gonna be like, oh my God, is that NTS Gold. works fine yeah. if you're low in a recurve style anchor. Right. The moment you start moving that anchor up, the yeah. geometry and physiologically, you need to move your body to compensate. And that means that makes coming. sense. And I, I like the first, and I've told people this, I've t- coached people this because I believed in NTS at the time. I said, you need to keep your shoulders down. <laughs> I'm going to proudly say I was wrong. Like I don't, I don't stand behind that anymore. No, um, I don't either. If your shoulders want to come up and forward a little into that hunch, and the traps want to contract, and you want to yeah. bring those shoulders up and closer to that arrow draw line. Yeah, it's yeah. it's that you have to be careful. You, just for clarification, for the people who end up listening to this, and you can't see the video, like you have to understand though, you can't. If one comes up, the other one has to come up with it. Yeah. Come up you, can't, you can't go to here and go like this you, right. no, because it's not a shoulder collapse. Yeah, exactly. And what happens, a lot of people who are with target panic, they will actually come back into full draw. And as they anchor as they, and what happens is they don't collapse here. They don't collapse here. They collapse here like this. Yeah. It, it's and the, the head moves and the shoulder moves at the same time. So people, it's not understand that, we're not saying, or I mean, I'm not saying it at all. This is on Elton, but I, I understand what Elton is saying and I agree. It makes sense. I think anchor, I think the key component here also is that anchor is going to have a huge impact on your mobility to be able to do that. I have a, I have a low anchor corner of my mouth, basically corner mouth all the time. I have, I've never changed my anchor point from day one. Um, and I'm not opposed to changing it at all now, um, but I haven't had to. But when I went from Olympic recurve just to that, I really struggled with some shoulder pain. But it wasn't the shoulder pain wasn't um, 
and I was doing that NTS rotational-ish that I was taught incorrectly, but I was taught to do it that way. And that's not, first of all, that's, that's not NTS. Anyone who's doing this stuff is not, that's not NTS. I'll, you, you can, I'll take that to the bank. Um, and if they're teaching that they're incorrect, but forget that part, the, the going from here to this position and the way, well, I mean, you can see it when I go from this position here, you know, that's a, that's a pretty standard NTS position to here, this shoulder, whole shoulder goes like this. Right. And it's super uncomfortable. If you don't let it, right. So we're going to say from here. Yep. It puts strain on the top of the shoulder. Ton of strain in this whole section here. Yeah. And body doesn't want to do that, right? So we are forcing it and we can at up to a certain poundage range. But I can tell you that my holding power, because I'm like right on that cusp, I'm right. I'm in that recovery zone of how everybody's gonna be different on that. Yeah. But what what I'm what I'm what I'm able to say and, and why I feel like this was an epiphany recently, um is that I'm right on the cusp of draw weights, right? Because I've feet or whatever from the virus or time off or whatever. So I didn't feel like I had a lot of draw power trying to do like this. And in the last two sessions, just doing this coming up like equally, like, so hopefully you can see if I tip come up just equally and bring that whole fat wrist, shoulder, shoulder line up closer. Um, I, I can easily say, I feel more comfortable drawing like an extra two pounds. Yeah. I'll tell you, that's something that Dick Tone actually teaches and his, they call it the natural draw cycle. They actually talk now. They, 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 if you watch Casey Caulfield, it's, it's here and it's up down and in, it just kind of does like a, like an S of sorts. And it makes sense. You, you have to shoot what's comfortable for you. NTS isn't necessarily comfortable for everyone. And, no. or, or you can call any, maybe a linear draw is a comfortable people. Hey, they please. love NTS. That's fine too. It, it doesn't matter. Like uh, I, I've, your mobility, it, my mobility, your yeah. bone structure, your, your shoulder width, arm width, you know, all of that. So I love people do, they do this or like, they go like this and they bring their hand in and they're like, Oh, well, that's where, look, look where my anchor ends up when I go like this, even with compound, that doesn't work. No, you know it does you can't you can't base you your have, full drop you, position you form, like you so it's impossible because we're not two-dimensional bodies right, right. we're not flat. so there has to be you know and you post that picture all the time the, the standard form triangle you know you have wrist bow shoulder draw shoulder yep, yep. Uh, elbow arrow and you know and, and, and hook hand all, all in line yeah that yep. kind of deal and, and, um, and again and you know you say that i post that I'm not, nobody's, I am not telling you, you need to be in that exact position. No, it doesn't need exact. Get as close to it as you can. You'll be okay. You know, and again, we've, how many people prove us wrong or prove NTS wrong that are, that shoot the best scores in the world that aren't in perfect alignment. They win nationals, they win US Open. They're not in that, that pristine Brady full draw position. And I, there's a reason, you know, there's a reason. And, and we recommend that, you know, I guess Elton that we're, we're really going down the wrong rabbit hole at the moment, but that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, no, it's okay. Because it's a discussion that 
in some ways I may have avoided it, but I wouldn't want to have this discussion with anybody else besides you, because there's not, in my opinion, you know, this is another, this might be a controversial statement as well. There are not many barebow coaches out there. If I had to call someone like, like I've, I've really worked hard on it for a few years now. You have been at it longer than I have from a barebow coaching standpoint. Like, I trust your judgment on what I do. You're one of few people other than maybe Demer that I honestly, and then that, and that's questionable, but <laughs> like, no, in all seriousness, though, from, from a coaching standpoint, from an analytic, analytical coaching standpoint, from someone who I know understands NTS understands barebow. Like if I had to pick somebody to say, I want somebody to work with me, it would be you. So, Thank you. well, and I mean, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, you know, um, no, I, I you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bullshit, but you know, there's not many people out there. There might yeah. be zero besides you that I honestly say, like, I have the utmost confidence in people that understand it. You know, I think, I think, uh, I'll give Rick Stonebreaker a, a shout out too, because Rick shot Olympic recurve. He's a hell of a barebow shooter. He's a, he understands you know, a really, his way, you know, I know he has his own sort of way, but you know, Rick understands things too. Um, I don't know how Rick is as a, as a coach, but I know he understands it, you know? Um, but so, uh, anyways, uh, continue. Uh, sorry. I, sorry uh, to go down that. that I'm gonna summarize, uh, by saying that, you know, uh, and I agree with you, like you, you can shoot any way, right. And you can make any form work. Sure. Um, if you're willing to invest the time. And like I said, I was trying to this. And if I only wanted to shoot 30 pounds, 28 pounds, whatever, for whatever reason, I could keep my shoulders down and up. I could, right? Yeah, uh, right. I, the old adage of you can make a, a, a Ford Pinto, a six second car on a quarter mile drive <laughs> comes to mind. You know, how yeah. much effort do you want to put into it? Yep. Can you do it? Absolutely yep. can. You know, if you want to invest the time, the money, the rebuild, you know, all that jazz, yep. you can do it. Um, but are there easier ways to make a six second car? Probably. Yep. Right? Yeah. So if you're not like emotionally attached to say, I need to make that four pint a six second quarter mile car, then your door is open. Right. Yeah. And suddenly the world's your oyster to coin a cheesy cliche. Um, and I guess that is the segue to get us back on topic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so that's all the backstory. It was a way more than 90 seconds. Sorry. Um, but I have been trying to find a new tune. And so with the new form, I was like, well, what the hell? I tried a new grip, right? Yeah, was, <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, tell us what the change was before you dive into the, the tuning so, process. So I was playing with a lot of different, um, grip position placement type changes. Um, and what ended up happening was I found a new position that I, I kind of liked, like my, my hand fell to it smoothly every time so it's like oh let me try this and i liked it um the only problem was it completely kiboshed the close to him and when yeah. i say close you know <laughs> half here because he's seen those arrows fly um it was kind of yeah like you know not up to my normal standard um but it was well you know this is a four-week tune so like we're four weeks out and here's where i'm at like it's shootable but it ain't great um right. but once i changed the grip placement it was just like it went from um barely passable to yeah i'm not showing up at an event like this like i wouldn't even go to a regional event shoot that i'm like i gotta find yeah. something different 
So that was the catalyst. Um, that after, started the tuning process. The, the that retuning process. process. All, yeah. all over again. All over again. I basically said, look, start from scratch. Um, and I, so I took the bow. I, the bow is still the same, right? My center shot uh, is the same. I run roughly the same biter pointer tension. Um, I'm can, going to go, go over, go over it real quick. Like go over your equipment. So just to give everybody a uh, mental yeah, picture sure. of what you're running and then like, what are you doing for the, your arrow? What are you doing for, you know, tiller, brace height, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. So, so let me see. Um, trying to coalesce my thoughts. Thank you, dear. Um, oh, yeah, here, here's the bow. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you, Brenda. Have a lovely way. Okay, so this is the new grip. Yay, Paul Yeager. Um, yeah. I asked for something ridiculously hard, and he and he did it. Um, nice. Nobody else asked for this because I should be the only person that's that much of a pain in the ass. But having a white palm grip is apparently really difficult for the chemical mixture um, because it tints very easily. And he warned me it will probably yellow or tint. I said, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to get grimy and dirty and sweaty anyway. But I wanted clear with white. So this was the new grip. Uh, it's a JD3 grip. Um, I had intentions on grinding on it, but I'm not sure if I'm going to do that just yet. Um, but this is what prompted the change in grip position. Uh, I'm running a big ZT rest because they're cheap and they work. Um, I do have the German snipers. Uh, I have some shots of my best scores with them. I, they, to me, they take a little more effort to get a good tune. And I'm not against yeah, doing that, right. but I am doing that when I start with only like four and a half, five weeks of sure. lead time. Yeah. So I said, I'm just going to run a ZT. It's going to be easier um, for me to get a close tune. Uh, fighter, plunger. Um, mm -hmm. I run it with um, the blue tip, uh, medium spring. Um, I count the right way john um it's zero all the way on the inside five and then ten all the way on the outside and so i run somewhere between like depending on the tune whatever the arrow wants it's gonna be like somewhere between 6.5 and 8.5 ish yeah. somewhere around there right um i try to stay away from over nine if it gets to the point where i'm over nine and it's like that soft and i need that much then usually that means that my arrow's not quite right um Hoyt Epic, older riser. Um, it's a great riser. Uh, MK Archery, MX limbs. So it's a 25-inch riser and long limbs. Yeah, 25-inch riser, long, I think the 30, 36 limbs. Um, I, haven't, I haven't measured what their, the draw off the fingers is. Um, sure. Frankly, it doesn't matter. Like when you're tuning and you get to a point where you're, you're adept at tuning, the exact poundage is trivial and that was you know a uh, novice mistake i made my first year year and a half i was like i want to set it at 33 pounds and then find an arrow the tunes that but yeah that's yeah. the hard way yeah don't, don't, like um find the arrow you want to shoot and you know get close and then and then twiddle with your tiller bolts to get the draw weight to move it to where it needs to be and if you can't like you you go all the way all the way out to like the five max turns out and you're still too um Hang on. It's been a long drive. If it's still too weak, then then yeah, you, you don't you have the wrong arrow. Um, if you turn it all the way up and it's still too stiff, you have the wrong arrow, right? Um, you're outside of the range of your limb capability for your personal draw length, your art, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. 
Um, but that's that's the setup. Do you have any questions? Oh, what's your and, uh, what's your what's your brace height and your tiller? Do you remember? I have no idea what my brace height. Is. Okay, all right. That's how important it is to me. It's it's over eight and a half, eight and three quarters. Yeah, I, yeah, twenty five inch. It's usually somewhere between eight and a half, eight and three quarter. Um, it, that it, I have I, found. I, I'm not, I I shouldn't. I, let me hold on. Yep. That's what I have found that works best for me and like Maggie's, I think is eight and a half or eight and three quarters as well. So, you know, you, you, again, it's everybody's got their own, their own niche, their own feel. Like you can't, there's no cookie cutter. This is exactly what it should be. It's really got to find what works for you. It's, it's, um, you know, it's like cooking. There's, there's probably like 40 different ingredients and how you want to apply them and how you want to use them in your recipe is me personal. Um, and that's, that's one of the things I, I, I know I, oh, and I just wait in case anyone didn't know. Of course, either. of course, none other. Right. Um, so that, that, that's kind of like one of the things I was thinking about when I was driving um, earlier today, before yeah. the stuff, when I was allowed to actually multitask, um, was talk about confidence, um, psychological confidence, sure. uh, and coupled to tuning. Right. So I know there's probably a lot of novice archers watching and listening to this. And there's intermediates um, who have dabbled in tuning. Um, and I'm going to flat out say, again, possibly controversial, if you want to be a better shooter, you have to understand all of your tuning parameters. Okay. And I'll say that again. You have to understand all of your tuning parameters. You need to understand, like, if I change this one thing, what does it do and what's the ripple effect? Like, what are all the other things? Those are the conversations. Those are the very constructive conversations that archers should be having with each other. Um, not the, what's your bracelet? Because I want to set it to that. What's your tiller? Because I want to set it to that. Um, you need to understand, like, what does a slightly positive tiller affect? And, and it's trivial. But what does it do? What is a slightly negative? And, and yeah, you had asked. And for the record, mine, I always try to shoot to as close to zero. I want my top and my bottom even. That's exactly um, what I do. That's just me. Now, there's people that like it slightly positive because of where their percentages of hook finger pressure are. And yep. so this is one of those things I'm talking about. You understand intrinsically, like if I start applying more index finger pressure on the string at my hook, it's going to change what I need on the tiller bolts. Yep. Okay. If, and, and vice versa. Um, so that, that ability to understand the ramifications of what change you make and every single change. When I mean every single change, I mean every single change, like however nuanced, it's not the obvious stuff like fighter pressure plunger or plunger pressure. Um, yeah. it, it's everything down to where do I put my hand on the grip? You know, like I said, finger hook pressure, um, where you are on your hook, right? If you're, if you're past Weird. the first joint or, you yep. know, or if you're more in, inboard of the first joint, Yep. Um, and no right answer. And, and, you know, and that's the thing a lot of people don't want to hear. They're like, well, I need to know what the right thing to do is. There are, and this is the Ford Pinto analogy again, there are easier ways to get there sooner, uh-huh. but they're not the absolute. You can do it a different way. So like sure. anyone tells you, you shouldn't do that. Yeah. You know, if if yeah. it's something you're married to, you can yep. do it. It may take you longer to master that approach yep uh, but no one should ever tell you you shouldn't do it yeah now, having said that 
I'm going to contradict myself by saying, if you want to shoot better sooner, don't be afraid to try so much stuff that you tend to try some of those easy paths, yep. right? Um, and that's, I think, the crux of my tongue-in-cheek joke this morning. Yeah. Um, I think, based on the responses, there is a good cadre of community that has shed the fear, um, and they're vocal. They're willing to be vocal about it. Yeah, I agree. Three years, two, three years ago, like it was, and outside of Barabo, it probably still is. Um, it, it's kind of gospel, like yo, don't, don't, don't touch anything. Like, what are you talking about? Like, yeah. you're gonna change something like a month before an event? Like, yeah. Um, when you do that, and I, I do, I really want to thank uh, Demer for instilling this in me um, and many other people. Um, shedding the fear of making the change helps you learn. Sure, like, it helps you learn those nuances, those ripple effects, those things. As long as you're willing to put the time in to be analytical and observant and say, well, if I do this, right, and give it a chance. Don't shoot it once and be like, oh, that did this, because that might have been just a bad shot. So, yeah, just there's a, there's a little stroke of irony here, people, because worse, <laughs> Elton is the one who watched me shoot a dime sized group with three arrows at indoor nationals in 2020. Um, and literally, I turn around with this look on my face and i was like dude what did you just do and he did stand there watch me playing with my with my rest when i realized that the and i was like yeah well the wire just fell down i thought i put it right back where it needed to be because it, it the screw was loose the <laughs> screw fell out completely fell out and he was like what did you just do i was like i don't know i have no idea what happened but you want to talk about i shot 276 the first half and then have that happen on the first end of the second half. Panic. I mean, uh, yeah, well, I, but you have to control it. But like I, you I, were I, the one, like, don't be afraid to make those changes. Well, you know, some of my major changes was adopting a rest that is so much more simple to shoot and that AA free flight. It's so easy to adjust. I'm no, I like, literally have no issues with it. Same Allen wrench that fits everything else on the bow. I don't like, and that's, that's like, that's a small detail, but. My AAE, well, that's one of the reasons I was using the AAE plunger. Now it's the same thing with the Whiffler plunger. I don't, it's one Allen wrench set for my entire bow. Yeah. That is simplicity. That is easy. I'll take easy. <laughs> I had a tiny, and I, I got razzed for this by, I'll, he'll, he'll, he'll go unnamed. Um, but I, I got at like a lot of shooting sessions for carrying a little Ziploc bag. Is that like yay big? It had thousand Allen wrenches in it. No, no, I had, I had five. I had oh, five biter, a biter plunger wrench, and that was it. Like that's all I needed. And it was kind of like, dude, go get a real folding Allen key tool. And I'm like, but it's so big. It takes so much, so much space. Like yeah. I'm a minimalist by heart. Like I, sure. when, it, when it comes to like gear, I love collecting gear. I love I have tons of all sorts. Of, but when I'm like in the moment, um, I don't want like extraneous clutter right I, I want it like laser focused because if i'm at a point where i have object x and support objects a b and c for it and i know that's all i need that tells me i know exactly what i need to work on that thing and nothing more and if i need something else outside the boundaries of what i brought that means i screwed up 
that means I did not prepare object X properly because right. those other things that are you know manipulated, repaired, changed, whatever outside of objects A, B, and C, um, those are supposed to be immutable things. Like yeah. I, I should not be changing my tiller in an event. Period. Like I can, I'm not afraid to, but I don't necessarily need a tool to do that because it's not something I expect to do. May I change my biter center shot? May I change my spring tension or change my tip or to spray? You know, possibly, sure. At a bigger event, if it's a national level event, will I bring spares? Absolutely. Will I carry them in my quiver? Not usually. Um, so, so there is something to be said for that simplicity. I absolutely agree with you. It is 100% on point. And if you feel like you need, um, you know, a, a box full of stuff, and, and you need to tow it behind you to an event. Psychological. Yeah. You have too psych- much stuff. <laughs> What's that? You have too much stuff. <laughs> yeah. Too many uh, different yeah. things going on. You 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 lack that psychological confidence in your equipment yeah. and your understanding of how you built and tuned that equipment. Hundred percent. And so, so that is the crux of this conversation, right? Yeah. So, while I said it. I was absolutely being humorous because I have no fear. Like, as I said, um, after changing up my grip position, everything, it was like, the arrows I have are not going to work. They would come off the bow, no contact. They were clean, but they would end up going tail right, like eight yards down range. Um, but because I had 230 grains up front, a 70 grain, sorry, 220 grains, a 70 grain brass insert, on the front of a recurve RZ and a 150 grain Irani arrow point uh, for a total of 220 up front. Like it tracked, you know, <laughs> front of center was like, well, I'm going where you pointed me. <laughs> um, right, right, right. But the tail was like, well, I'm not ready to go there. So I'm going to like crab fly, like crab down the yeah, range yeah, 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 for yeah. about 10 yards from eight to 18 before I straighten out. <laughs> and, and so they would land roughly where I want, but um not forgiving right so like if i made any kind of error it it would open the group like to the blues to the blacks and i'm yeah. like I, I i know i am shaky right now um but i'm not that bad right it's right, like right. so there's, there's something else like i need to chase here and so um i woke up before i, I left for jersey yesterday morning um and I said, uh, I'm not eating breakfast. <laughs> I, I am not satisfied with my arrow tune from Friday night based on the changes. I do want to shoot this new form because you know, I feel more in control and pow- sure. in power with both shoulders yeah. slightly up. Um, it feels both like Grayson a- and Demer do that a little bit. I do. They do. So. Um, there's other archers that absolutely do it too. Um, so it was, you know, it was kind of a cue to say, let me try it. I wasn't afraid. I said, let me just try it. I don't care. It's two weeks to an event. What's the worst that happens? I probably won't shoot worse. I'll just go back to the other form. Right. But what do we, what do we talk about all the time with the whole mental game thing? Like you have to have like zero F's to give. You have to. And I said this, I said that to Spanky when I, when I had my first uh, coaching session with him and I said like, like you have to not care. Like if, and, and, I, I teach that my, my mental game approaches, I call it the, the building blocks of the mental game. Like you're talking about your, your, um, your tune and your equipment and simplifying things. Like 
that's all part of the mental game and and yeah. nobody teaches that and it drives me insane they're like oh you know mental game mental game mental game you know 100 control I, I, yeah that's a dig sorry joel um but you know it's you you have to teach that stuff that is part of competition archery it's not just determination and i'm going to hold it yeah, you know it's and all. Not, there's it's, so much more that goes into it you got to organize your brain you have to organize your stuff your life your shot process your tune everything it's not just up here right uh you know and 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 so i'm kind of on a car kick lately so i'll throw another analogy out there um the best f1 drivers in the world while they rely on their pit crews they understand their vehicles intimately right they, right. they don't just the car and say i'm going to trust that you guys did what you needed to do and i'm just going to get in there and mash the, the pedal to the floor yep. they understand the vehicle and all of its setup intimately and they know what to ask for if they need it changed now we don't have pit crews um if you have a coach that's willing to make changes for you when you ask for them that's great um i think he's doing more than he's supposed to and I, he may actually be doing you a disservice because you need to know like i've had um students that i insisted like you need to know this because you may end up with a situation on the line where you might have to resolve this yourself like yeah. right then there 100%. wife is raising her hand because she knows that the classic two years ago she running over to me like my arrow rest moved i'm like you know how to fix this i taught you how to fix this so, in the panic i I'm a lover. Yeah, I hear the peanut gallery. I fixed it anyway. But the point is, as as a proficient archer, if you want that psychological confidence, you need to know if I do this and I'm walking around, right? And this thing gets caught on my quiver, it goes like this. How are you going to fix it? What are you going to do? I'm not F. I'm literally not F. I can fix this. In about 30 seconds. I don't have an arrow shaft on me, but I can get it close enough. Yep. Like so. Yep. Uh -huh. I knock my arrow and I just start pulling. Oh, you couldn't see what I did. So what I, I did. Saw, I saw it. I saw it. Yeah, you pulled the you pulled the uh the wire out. In. Held that in. Yep. Mm -hmm. Don't loosen the screw. Don't bother. It's a waste yeah, of time. Just push it. Yep. Just, just push it. Freaking muscle it. Push it in past yep. and then put knock your arrow, put it on. And then gently just kind of give it light pushes until the arrow sits at the center shot that you originally wanted. Yeah. Okay. And it's, you know, I, I, it, just to, to talk about that, you know, Elton showing um, his bow and his plunger there, you have to know where that arrow is running through the plunger. You want it ultimately to run through the middle of the plunger. Always. You know, always I've want, talked, but I've, too many there, like, I don't think people, like, they might look at it. And it might be like the upper third or like two thirds of the way up the plunger. Like, ah, oh, it's okay. Like, no, it's not okay. Because you have to know that it goes in that spot, <laughs> the exact same spot. And you, you could get that spot. It's easier to line the shaft up with the center of the plunger every time, as opposed to two thirds way up the plunger. So like, yeah, no. but anyway, no, I, I'm going to interject here. So everybody remember that story that Frank told about indoor nationals. Oh, yeah, what a nightmare. Yeah, he went makes me so wide. angry. <laughs> and that 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 dime size group that was like you know out in the what was it the six it was like a three four line three four <laughs> four five something like that. 
my first question to him was, did you line it up proper? Like, where does it go? And what was your response, Frank? <laughs> yeah, I don't <laughs> he know. He hadn't taken note of. And so yeah. this is why we teach this, right? And, and, it, and I know it's, it's a thing we teach now, just like he said. You always, absolutely, without fail, if this is the tip of the plunger, your arrow shaft middle. come dead center, right? Yep. Not low, not high, dead center. Yep. And the reason you do that is if the wire moves, all you got to do is pull it out the, the slope of your wire, whether it's a sniper or a ZT or yep. a, but it's going to move the shaft up or down slightly. And you'll know where the correct position of that wire is based on where it stops yep. and sits. And when it sits dead center tip, you're golden. So, and, and just, I, I'll, let me, let me comment a little bit on that because I would normally always put it in the middle of the plunger. However, what I was, I was not in a good state of mind. I was angry. You're you way stressed. I was way stressed. So my, I don't know, response was more of a, I don't even want to think about it. I just need to figure this out. You were in panic. Like I, said, I was in panic, panic mode, hundred percent, hundred percent. I shot like a, I shot, I shot the best 30 arrows in competition I ever shot in my life and then had a major catastrophe happen. And I, and arguably an inexperienced competitive barebow shooter um, at that point in time. And had I, yeah, because I knew oh, I was, yeah, I was no. shooting one of the top scores that was probably going to be, if I would have kept that pace, yeah, you follow, are, you like are. I knew I was going to, but there I was thinking in the future and, and doing all that nonsense. That I, I know I don't do now. And, and you're, right, and so that, that, that's why I did this. So you're, yeah. you're trained, right? You were able to collect your thoughts somewhat. You turned somewhat. to me and you said, what do I do? And I said, go fix it. Like take your two ends of equipment failure and go fix it. And so you yeah. did. Yeah. Um, the, the average novice would have panicked and it would have been game over. Like their yeah. scores would have tanked. Um, even if I would say, I would hope, even if they had a coach there, um, if the coach didn't immediately say, go get it fixed um, and try to like, you know, tinker with it on the line, um, psychologically, your confidence. Oh yeah. hundred percent. And you have to, you have to learn to deal with that. Like that was honestly, like even compared to us open compared to the classic uh, shootout eliminations and all that stuff. Like that was probably one of my most stressful archery competitive moments ever. I wish I had a camera. <laughs> I mean, I'll be honest with you. It, it probably was. And, it, and, and because I know like, and the worst part was then the next, the next day thinking to myself, Oh, you, you have to shoot a five fifty. You have to shoot a five fifty. I shot like a five forty something or a five thirty nine or something like that. And you, you can't, but you can't think that way. Like I can't. And, and it, it took me way too long. I'm going to two comments here took me way too long to realize that you cannot put that expectation on yourself. Number one, number two, um, shortly after the podcast had started like that year after having a really good first, like two years of competition and the podcast growing, growing some, you know, I struggled with the expect expectation that people, because I, because of my association to the podcast, that I need huh? to always be at my best 150% of the time. And Grayson was really like the one who kind of like mentally walked, talked to me through that. and was like, no, 
Frank, no one gives a shit how you shoot. Like you need to understand nobody cares more than you do. And you need to stop caring and just concentrate on shooting. And it, it wasn't. I'm going to disagree with that in, in some sense. Um, Go ahead. No, no one cares whether you're shooting your personal bests. Right. That's the, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Your Touché. friends, your friends care if you're shooting to where you feel you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree about that. I think I, it's in regards to me worrying about what others think. Yeah. Of Competitive you. wise, no one cares. Yeah. Nobody really cares. I mean, they want you to do good. That's so, the thing. Right. But you the, can't worry about, well, oh my gosh, I'm not shooting well in front of all of these people. You can't worry about that. So the ancillary to that epiphany, um, and I, I didn't want to give it away on Bede's post because uh, I was oh. so proud he came up with it, the, the first part. But the, 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 the second part of that is, um, and this is probably going to rustle some feathers, the people do, that do care can outshoot you already. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Right? Yeah. If they are, no, how do we phrase that? If they wanted to care, can yeah. outshoot you. Yep. No, I don't think that, that shouldn't ruffle any feathers. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah it shouldn't. But you know. that, that, that's the other big part of that opinion. And once you realize that, it, it, it lifts huge burden off your shoulders. Sure. Um, you, stop, you stop worrying about chasing that score. And you start going back to the event just to shoot for your own personal enjoyment. Shut up, Demer. And <laughs> Sorry, that, that was me. That was, that was me. Um, yeah. I think Christian Wilder was like, hey, what's happening, people? And Demer's comment was Frank shot a dime-sized group in the touring. And that's not at all. At all. So look, at, he's not even on the podcast right now. Crap. Yep. And I get shit. Yep. So I was hanging out with him earlier today, right? We he he made me some strings. Trust me, everyone. The serving's plenty long. And uh, he was ice fishing, so I met him up at the up at uh, Lackawanna State Park, and and we were hanging out up up on the ice there and stuff and chatting and whatnot. And uh, he he fished for like two hours. That's it. Yeah. I thought the guy. I thought the guy was like dedicated. So, so, so he fished for two hours and then left the ice, and then and then and then it was like, oh, you can help me carry everything off the ice. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, but you know why he stopped fishing? Because you were there. Because so I was there to help him. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't want to carry it all back by himself. <laughs> what a dick. Anyway, um, yeah. so well, I, we can we can we can keep chatting to that. I mean, we covered so much. That I had no intention on covering whatsoever. I'm gonna go back through some of the. Uh, uh comedy or the comedy i'm sorry comments comedy as well uh just to see if there's any questions or comments coming for bead says i freak out because i can't just walk in my range work area to use their microwave and cutter arrow cutter that's funny uh grayson okay. mr nts wonderful uh some truth i'll say so jack uh, jack actually that was the question right as you were logging in is there some truth about the linear draw puts more people at risk for shoulder injury we we, we talked about that in depth the answer is no <laughs> um i'm gonna say it depends um yeah you push beyond your limits on what your body's capable yeah. of in yeah. that draw 
people. Sure. Yeah, absolutely could. could but that, I mean, that's, that's, um, you know, that's a qualifier for, for any, any form, any movement. Like you, right. you put yourself oh, yeah. down by his cable, you're going to get hurt. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. Yep. You need to get there to, you need to get to a, a, a full drop position as simple as possible and as consistently as possible. And that's it. And, and be able to hold it comfortably. Comfortably. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, comfort. I, no, I, I, no, that's a great word. It'll never be comfortable. It is. Right. You need to get to a, 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 a draw hold that is as comfortable as possible. Yeah. And, you have and, to learn, you have to find a position that allows you to relax while under tension. You have to be calm. You have to be able to, you know, you can't have all that extra tension in, in your shot. So like what I, and what I mean by that, just for an analogy for everyone who's listening to this, if you try to shoot this way, bare bow this way, you can see I'm like really hunched in, you know, you try to shoot that way. You're using a crap ton of muscles that you are going to give you a repeatable shot. So that's what I'm talking about. Like that's negative tension. Um, I talk about like the excessive coiling and all that stuff. That's extra tension that wreaks havoc on target panic. I don't care who you are. I will argue till the day is over that I firmly, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of shooters I worked with both compound Olympic and barebow. I am going to, I will tell you right now. I truly, truly believe that is the, that is the foundation of opening the door to target panic. But anyway, forget that. Well, we're going to move on. Um, Mike Redsinger, that's Maggie's dad, said, doesn't the linear use more back than rotational uh, equals less shoulder injuries? I don't – why don't you comment to that? I mean, yes and no. Yes. Yes, it does um, because the lats are a larger group of muscles. Right. Um, It depends because I'm going to go back to saying if you're – putting yourself outside the parameters of what your, your body's capable of that time, your risk of injury increases, right? That's, that's physiology. Um, John said, Elton and I are fishing tomorrow, right? Buddy question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Really? I I need the afternoon off. I have a sled, so I'm not even afraid to carry half of his crap. Um, (laughs) That's, that's why he wants you to go fishing partly yeah but we we we, we enjoy fishing it's 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 a great pastime it's, it's stressful big stress for me nate wallace um that's funny nate wallace says uh my form went to shit after i got my level two and i tried using all of my nts stuff hey there's number three for us yeah how about that <laughs> I spent six months after my level four trying to make as much NTS work as possible. And uh, yeah, it just wasn't. And, he's broke. and then, and then I broke and, and finally Jonathan, broke, raise your hand. Yeah. And, and, and let's face it. The one thing that I've noticed Elton, you know, the further I get into the bearable project, the further I get into this archery industry stuff and the coaching, I have less time to shoot and train. And, but with the current with the shot process that i teach and that i shoot with i am able to still be um in a good competitive state without with less practice sure so and that's kind of that that shortening that journey that we talked about shoot the harder way but once you get it 
you know, if you practice the same amount you did before just to get efficient and, and, and shoot consistently, you'll, your scores may go through the roof, but you know, it's all about the journey. You can make any form work with the same, with the right amount of arrows. Yeah. You put the effort in, you can make anything. Yeah. But you have to decide, do I want to be more consistent, have a more forgiving shot, have, you know, and again, like look at, look at the people who are the most consistent um, time and time and time again at all of the disciplines, really the ones that involve the highest amount of accuracy. And that is target archery. Sorry to all my 3d people out there. It's not 3d. You have a big fat softball to shoot at. It's not the same. Sorry. Don't, don't, don't knock them. Yeah. I'm not knocking them. I'm not knocking them at all. I'm just saying like your most consistent, accurate shooters are the ones that are able to put six arrows in the middle of a baseball size tendering at 55 meters or, 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 or those field rounds, you know, like that's where you're, that's where you really separate. Yes. When you're shooting that high volume of arrows as accurate as, as possible. Um, let me see what else. Just John being a jerk. More of John being a jerk. Um, <laughs> I haven't even checked the front. Like I, I it's not. I'm just. I'm just being facetious. I was. I um, never had my data this month, so like I'm. I'm restricted to like 128 k. <laughs> yeah. At this point, so like I haven't checked the Facebook feed at all today. John says. So here's a uh, Frank. Upset apple cart again. <laughs> no, John, that was Elton started up upsetting the apple cart. John says, Which when one? starting a quick new tune, do you guys specifically look for something to improve on your current tune? Or do you feel more like just changing up the whole thing, i.e. arrow thickness, light point, heavyweight, drastic changes, or minimal? Okay. That's a good um, question. What's that? That's a really good question. Yeah, it is. Do you want to so, lead off with that? Yes. Um, it depends. I, I like it's the same answer, right? Um, it depends on your your tuning confidence capability. So, if you are extremely well versed in all the tuning parameters of your bow and the the repercussions of making every single change, the world's your oyster. You can you can just say I'm just I'm gonna go change something drastic. If you don't understand the entire encyclopedia of those tuning parameters and you only understand a handful, restrict yourself to that handful. That's my, my open advice to anyone sure. who decides they want to do something like that. Where do I sit? I sit at, I have pretty comprehensive encyclopedia. That which I don't know, I have the fortune of being able to contact yep. except you and John. I would put me in that category. John and Grayson are definitely my go-to. They're the encyclopedia. I'm just, I mean, I, I, I reap benefits of, of their knowledge all the time when it comes to that stuff, for sure. Because you don't come out of the gates with tuning knowledge. You have, that's an earned asset. You, and you earn it by failure. You earn it by making mistakes. You earn it by not you know, doing what you, what, what you should have done or missing a component, which is what I, I literally didn't tune my bow. And, and it was one of those things where I just got busy. I, I, you didn't, you weren't here for the conversation, but I think I, you might, you might've figured it out or whatever. I literally didn't tune my bone all year. I just threw 
the indoor arrows on and shot and then it kind of forgot about it and i'm and then i'm like racking my brain <laughs> on the wall like why are these arrows feel like they should be going smack dab in the middle and i was getting these wild shots and it didn't matter i ended up like way knock high my brace height was a half inch short um my tiller was off and my plunger was out and it was too light and i was like you know all over the map and you know so to for my situation in reference to john's question about you know i ended up going back to to ground zero of tuning because i had a bear shaft laying there and i was like i'm gonna shoot this and see where it goes yep and then it hit 12 <laughs> inches right and it was like this and i'm like okay that's not good how am I ever going to shoot at least relatively decent scores that way? So, you know, what ended up happening is, is a complete breakdown, reset everything. Cause I moved the plunger over. I could add a little bit tension to my 500 spine RZ and then refined dead center. And I sent, uh, and I'll put, I'll put the picture, I'll put the picture in the video version of the podcast. I sent John great and Grayson, a picture of a three spot, with fletch staff or um, bear shaft top spot three o'clock nine fletch uh like one o'clock nine and bear shaft three o'clock nine boom 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 and i was like okay i'm pretty close then i noticed my brace height was short and i ended up had to briefly like start all over again but it didn't take long to get back so it's okay and and then you know like and then you want to talk immediate confidence boost immediate confidence boost because i've been i've been struggling a little bit and i'm like and like i'm racking my brain like why what is going on this is not making any sense and you know and it's and it's and it's 100 my fault but then think about like and i was talking about this earlier elton like the negative rabbit hole of like i'm sh i feel like i'm shooting like crap because i'm getting crappy results but maybe i'm not really shooting like crap and then you start second guessing yourself and then when you start you start shooting bad arrows and you're trying to tune bad arrows and it's like ah oh so that's a perfect segue because while we were talking I, I also thought of a very important caveat to this conversation um knowing the impact of everything that you do when yeah. you make changes is secondary to being able to pre-produce a consistent shot yeah if you can't same thing every time then there's no way to know whether change yeah i mentioned that earlier okay yeah so, no and, but, and demer we talked about that like if you can't keep a relatively consistent group like if you can't keep three arrows on the target diving down a tuning rabbit hole is just like and, and no, one, be, no one's saying no one's saying i, I won't go that far I'm no not saying, saying not tune i'm not saying that no, but have to fly exactly the same yeah. go to your like, basic tune you know for me friday night was an hour and 40 minutes of shooting and at least two-thirds of those shots were thumbs off clean and tail right and craps down and then straight and after 30 or 40 of those out of 60 arrows you have to say okay even if we eliminate variations because of bad release or poor form or I moved the bow, I torqued it, I gripped it, whatever. Yeah. There's something up there, right? And so yeah. that 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 was the impetus, the catalyst to say, I, I need to fix it. I need to, like I'm sitting there doing it and, and flat out told John, like, this sucks. I can't, I can't shoot this. 
um, I got to find something different. And I had some stuff at home that I had in mind. So, you know, I, I had them ready to tinker with. Um, and so this is my commercial plug for all of the archery uh, arrow manufacturers. Um, for everybody out there, you buy arrows, always buy one more than you think you need because you're going to leave that as a bear shaft forever. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, keep that's it. good advice. And so you can anytime, order singles from LancasterArcherySupply.com. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Well, for mo most brands and most most model shafts, um, some are dozen, dozens only. So um, that there you're you're kind of stuck, and that means you only ever get to have eleven shootable arrows. Um, but having that bear shaft on hand is like critical to the pick tune mentality of saying. Let me just see it work. Shoot a fletch. Make sure it goes somewhere near the target, right? Um, at whatever distance you want to start at. I generally start at 10. Um, for people that are newer at tuning, if you're afraid you're going to be way, way off, start at like five. Start at six yards. Um, it, it's very hard to miss a 30-inch bale at that distance, even if you have a horrifically bad uh, tune, because your bear shaft's going to come off the bow and it's going to almost land sideways. Um, just make sure there are no, and I learned this the hard way, uh, expensive, um, make sure there are no hard, like target support frames near the to do this. Um, because if the arrow comes off sideways hard enough, but it hits the point and it decides to lay over and smack the target sideways like this, if there's anything hard, like a metal, yeah, or you hit that arrow on the side like that, it's going to snap. Yeah. Boom. And it's gonna go. So yeah, don't do that with $20 arrows like I did. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, like have that bear shaft and, and, and that way you're, you're literally ready to go. And that's what I did. I said, I've got, I got two, two, two shafts that I think I want to try. I have a set of nano SSDs, um, full length, 750s um, with 110 grain points, glue-ins. Yep. Uh, and I have a set of Maxima RZs, uh, recurve RZs, 650s. And I have the components to build them however I want. I have aluminum inserts, I have brass inserts, like I mentioned before, they go up to 70 grains. I have screw-in point RPS points that go up to like, you know, 300 grains. I don't think I'd ever shoot something that insanely high, but um, I have it there if I need, if I need to tune, to, to, to see how in or out of range that arrow shaft is for the bow as it's set up um, before I start tinkering with, well, um, you know, it's, it's, it's taken 200 grains up front to make this thing fly kind of straight. Um, but I don't want to run 200 up front. So let me see if I turn up my tiller bolts so that I go up, you know, a turn, turn and a half. Like I, I couldn't even tell you what like the exact poundage amount would be. John would be better at that. But for me, it's like, you know, if I turn it up a pound on both, or, sorry, I turn up a turn on both tiller bolts. Um, again, I always check after a couple shots, make sure my zero, my tiller's back to zero because that's where I like it. I like the bow the way it feels that way based on how I distribute my hook percentages sure. um, and my grip pressure where I place it. You know, some people have a higher grip. It's going to change where your tiller needs to be. Um, you want a lower like palm-based grip, it's going to change where your tiller needs to be. So this is those interrelated things that I was yeah. talking about. Uh, um, a lot I of mean, people don't know that. They don't, they, no. they don't know how, how or why they relate. You know, and there's a lot of people who worry about that stuff that really don't have any business worrying about that stuff either, you know, and I, I was actually going to mention, you know, maybe we should just quickly, cause we've, I've been going at this for a while. Um, okay. Yeah. But we've covered, we more than covered what we needed to cover, but you know, where, if you don't mind, 
where where do you start or what would your recommendation be to start your first basic tune for a new shooter what do you think where 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 do you where does that person go and how what do you look at you know i i mean i I have my way but we can it's ours is probably similar but go ahead so this is um this is a question that i have pontificated many many a time because i and i'm sure you have to as a barebow coach are approached with this question right and so the, the the knee-jerk response is always talk to a good bareboat coach and like that there's not a lot right no. um but the the handful that are out there are pretty um open and amicable to an introductory conversation right yeah. and so that gets you in the ballpark on where you need to be it's and it's it's usually like an hour-long conversation um, and, 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 and I'm, you know, just going to make the plug. If you feel that the conversation was worthwhile to that person, then, you know, by all means, please. Um, yeah, I guess whatever. the problem, the problem is, is there's so few around in most, yeah. most people who are Olympic recurve only coaches or have that experience. They exactly. don't understand string walking. They don't understand. No. So most of them don't bear tune. That's not so bear like, without, tune. without, without diving down rabbit hole, that's not part of the introductory conversation. Or at least yeah. for me, um, when someone someone takes the time, and I used to think it had to be in person, um, because it is more effective in person. Sure. We'll not even remotely disqualify that notion, but it is possible going forward. If if the person is somewhat honest um, and is willing to work with said coach, like I've done it over the phone, I'm sure you could do it over the phone. We're oh, yeah. we're adept enough at putting someone in the ballpark. Um, if you have a video uh, communication link like FaceTime or Zoom or whatever, it becomes incredibly effective because from there we can tell them where to put their body, show them how we put our bodies. They can oh, yeah, yeah. at that point we can start finding draw length yeah. and on physical physique, no approximate draw weight. Now, if you don't have any access to that, which is the question you're asking me, where do you start? Where do you start is a riser that you can lift. Yeah. I say that because I've had students come to me thinking, well, I'm just going to buy once, cry once, buy, you know, buy one, cry, cry once, buy once, right? Kind of deal. And they'll go drop four or 500 bucks on a riser. And they're not in a physical stature to be able to support a three pound riser or, or great. Um, you know, they're, they're at a point where they need an entry level riser. And it sucks because it's like, well, you're spending 100, 150 bucks on this riser that you're probably going to outgrow in two months if you're serious about this right. um, but necessary stepping stone because you you don't want to have the heavy riser because the heavy riser causes this that angle right yep. you're going to be like i, yep. I can't hold it up but i'm going to try to use my back to hold it up because my deltoids aren't strong enough and so yeah. do this that, that happens in compound too in olympic because, because people see compounders hang rods and weights off on it like i want to do 15 that 18 20 inch rod off the back 30 inch stabilizer off the front you see a yeah, little and, a 10 year old kid and they're like this yeah and their, their scope and yeah. their optic is like a pound by itself you know yeah. Yeah. um they're like half a pound like so yeah, yeah they're, they're swinging like six pounds seven pounds and like they can't you know so yeah it sucks but you need a beginner's riser um and, and 
where I say, if you want to buy once, cry once, spend it on the rest, spend it on the pleasure. Those are the things that are going to move yes. with you. Rise or rise. Okay. Um, limbs, it's the same deal. If you're, and I pretty much will say, I've not met a beginner archer. Beginner meaning, I'm new to this. I want to try bare bow. And I've never really shot more than like a child's fire relaxed compound bow. Yeah. Um, nobody should be starting like above 25 pounds off the fingers. And that's only if you're of stature. If you're of medium build or less, it should be like 22, 23. Yeah. So all of you trad hunters out there that are even remotely motivated to shoot bare bow and you shoot 50 pounds and you're snap shooting, understand then- that when you come to bare bow and start string walking and have to aim in the middle, that that extra poundage on your finger, despite what Kissigly might say, is going to make your target panic a million times worse. You might have to dial back from 55, 60 pounds, 50 pounds to 35. Yeah, I don't know. If man, Gotta man, swallow man. your ego a little bit, but I'm just, I'm just saying. Durant's Sachs watching, but if he is or whenever he doesn't get around to, to listening to this, um, I, I'm curious if he's invested in the 25-inch riser yet. <laughs> <laughs> we hey he he shot trad veins for 50 meters that's all i gotta say i know i know Um, we told him to shoot five inch feathers but he didn't listen i tried i tried i tried (laughs) real hard i told him to put a tight helical on him yeah he he, he totally didn't believe me when i said flu flu arrow feathers but i yeah anyway but yes sorry squirrel um yeah. So, but back to the basic tune, the basic new shooter tune. So they got their first, let's, let's, let's go through, like, they got their first 25 inch riser and like medium limbs or long limbs, whatever, you know, where do you start? Oh, well, first of all, a great place to start is tuning for barebow. Again, shout out to Rick Stonebreaker. That is really a great document. Great Guide- resource. Guideline. 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 Oh, and that's what we're talking here. That's what we're, we want to talk guidelines. We want well, to talk like where so do I say, you start? Say that not not because um, it's nothing against Rick. Um, yeah, no, no, no. Sure, it's definitely a baseline. This is where you go. Right. I don't. I don't think he even intended for it to be. Um, I want to choose my words carefully here because I don't want to offend him. It, uh, a comprehensive approach. Sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think I've even heard him say to me, like, "Yeah, it's just you know, it's it's it's, it's a way to do it. Yeah, um, to get started." Right. Uh, but the, the mistake I think a lot of people have made, whether overseas or whatnot, um, that their only exposure to these conversations prior to the project, the variable project, was mm-hmm. what you find online. And so there are more than a few circles that treat the document like it's gospel. Um, and I'm going to say, you know, uh, it's the Ford Pinto analogy again can you make that work at a certain point absolutely is it going to be the easiest way for you not always right Right. um but it it is a good guideline and my starting point is somewhat similar i don't go through all of the effort of the matchstick i think that's still in there um or anything like that on the plunger um because i know where like i said i like to run my plunger tension I like a little bit of smushiness off the medium spring, but backed out. So I'm like somewhere around seven to eight on the yeah. biters. Again, that's just me. Um, 
if you have a really uh, sloppy release, that could penalize you a lot because you're right. giving the arrow a lot of movement. Um, if you have a really tight, clean release, then it may benefit you. Um, and it, and it, it, it's a personal preference. But for me, that's roughly where I start my plunger. So then I start my center shot just outside of center. Yep. Outside left, left. If you're a right-hand shooter, left of center. Uh, yeah, just, arrow, le, uh, okay. left-hand shooter would be right of right of center, which would be the string lined up down so the middle. I, either. The terms that I use when I'm teaching um, is outside is away from the window, inside is towards the window. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, from the archer's perspective, yeah. but it really it works either way. That's why I use it. Like if I'm looking this way, outside is still away. Yeah. Um, I don't use. I try not to use left and right uh, because it's confusing. And when I'm teaching handed archer uh, that's good that's a good tip it just it complicates things right i don't sure. have i don't have translation if i just say you know move it out away from the riser move it yep. in toward the riser you know move your knocking point up or down like those yep. are no matter whether you're left-handed right handed. yeah uh, so i start slightly slightly outboard of center um i start my knocking point above center yep. maybe yep. three half inch somewhere like there's, there's, I let the bow tell me where it needs to go yep. based on tune, um, based on my shooting form at that point in time, and it evolves. Like as you know, long, long ago, I actually shot middle hanger to the K9, yeah. and uh, you know my parameters were different at that point yep. in time. And as I and I couldn't even tell you what they are because I don't care anymore. Um, <laughs> changed to this anchor, like this is where I need to be roughly when I start. Um, and, and that's that's just what I do. And then I move things, you know, and I make those adjustments um, as part of the tuning process um, to to get the arrow flying where I want it to go. Um, and then and and then the bear shaft gets mixed in. Um, and that's when I start determining whether the knocking point's correct, and then yeah. from there whether the spine um, and. I've I've attempted to write a document on this in in pursuing the vein of you know what Stonebreaker did um, because I didn't feel there was an appropriate document that would teach basic barebow tuning. Right? Oh so yeah, like a, a little bit more comprehensive because it, yeah. it, that that is definitely more like an Olympic recurve. Almost similar. It is you know it's it's an animal. It's a guideline. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, just to just to try to just because it's been two hours and like, okay. I'm probably going to try to cut this back. You know, you're looking at brace height, whatever, whatever the, the, the spec on the bow is brace height. Um, if you're new, just go even tailor, make it easy on yourself. Right? Even tailor. Yeah. Even tailor. Um, go ahead. I, I try not to twist the bejesus out of my bowstring. No. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't want, you don't want excessive spiraling in your bowstring. No. Um, it, it can, I don't know, that this is controversial, but I've operated under the pretense that I don't want it because it can induce excessive coiling, which kind of like is a springy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I try to keep mine, you know, yeah. to, I don't want to say it, back. But, but keep keep it reasonable. Like, yeah. I think numbers of like 10 twists um, or something per foot or something like that. I, I, I don't know. I, I don't, I don't I, I really don't. I just, you know, when I'm stringing up the bow after I build the string, um, you know, I twist it a bunch of times and I'm like, yeah, yeah that I, looks. I don't, I don't do that. I don't build strings. 
get on it. Um, it so yeah, um, sidebar. It doesn't hurt to learn. You don't have to be great at it, sure. but it doesn't hurt to learn. Um, and it is actually just one component that's critical to it um, that all of my advanced students, I require them to know how to do. They have to know how to reserve strength. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I know how to do that. Uh, it's no problem. But yeah, but not every strength. I'd rather most just... people don't even own a serving tool. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I have that. Yeah. It's no problem. I've been doing that a long time. But right. Well, you, you yeah. own a, a, a shop. A shop. Serving. Yeah. Exactly. I, I just don't build strength. But most archers don't. Yeah. Um, and the reasons is critical is you may have a knocking point failure. Yeah. You may have a string serving failure in the middle of event. Sure. And you don't you don't like if you can avoid it you don't want to change your string in the no. middle of it yeah you want to mitigate that as best you can um the wear characteristics around the knocking point where the knock clips onto your serving um is an integral part of your tune because it determines when the arrow comes off the string during yeah. the harmonic relation at release um so you don't want to change that if you can avoid it you don't even want to reserve it but if it breaks loose at the end because that's typically where it breaks you yeah. need to know how to reach the back serve it and pull it tight to clean up the end so it doesn't keep unraveling on you because if it does your game's over yeah. okay um so that's my sidebar you should yeah. know how to bring you don't have to be the one that does it for you you can go buy pretty fancy strings all the time but you absolutely should have done it and know how to do it oh there's nothing fancy about them they all come from demo so you know that anyway all right beautiful strength yeah i will say I am jealous. He does. He does do it. He does a good job. I appreciate it. I appreciate the length of his serving. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, I guess. I mean, gosh, we covered so much, Elton. Holy crap! This was that. That wasn't even intended. It just and turned into. That's what happens when we end up get talking on these topics all the time. Yeah. Well, this is this is what should there's, happen. Like, there's a a window right. inside of what our conversations are like all of the time. FYI. These are the discussions that barebow archers should be having. Yeah, I guess. Not where do I put my stuff. Yeah. How do I find out yeah. where the best place is for That's that? Funny. I might have to split this one into two. I don't even know. <laughs> two two <Huh>. episodes. <laughs> All right. All right, dude. I think I think we're gonna I think we're gonna shut her down. Uh I appreciate you. I appreciate you making that crazy drive from Jersey and, and yeah. taking the time to hop on um yeah. and spending this it's already eleven, whatever. I love um, I love dumping all the information that I have stored in my head because it, it lightens the load. Yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. All right, dude. You have a good night. Thanks so much. We'll see you in a couple of weeks. We get to hang out at the Lancaster Archer Classic. If you haven't signed up, you're running out of time. Go do that. Um, we have the Advanced Barrel Seminar at uh, my facility next weekend with me and Demer. Um, if you want to still sign up, you could. There's definitely space. Uh, it's a big facility, so you know, whatever. We can take whatever whoever wanted to sign up. Really um i would take advantage of that it's the week before the classic for a reason so that if you really just come down and almost stay just for the week and get do all the all the barebow archery that you could probably get a full of um, so make sure you guys check out that and uh you know i i didn't technically do the intro i'll be doing a separate intro for the podcast um but you know i tell you guys all the time you have a fee for every episode and your fee is to share it if you enjoyed it if you got something from it if it's going to help you if you thought it was funny whatever your fee is to share it share it with people who need it if you remember the podcast and you see a post on on facebook and are like hey i need to 
I, I don't understand tuning. And you could be like, hey, here's episode 44 of the Barrel Project. And they talked about this pretty damn expen- extensively. Go check yeah. it out. Um, and that's your fee. It, that, that's it. You don't have to share it right now. You have to share it tomorrow. You have, whatever. Just remember the topics. So, but thanks for sticking with us. Elton, enjoy the snow tomorrow, tonight, now, tomorrow. And, oh, it's uh, still going. We yeah, got like still going, going out there. Yeah. Surprised my pager hasn't gone off. I shouldn't have said that. We're knock on wood. All right. Peace out, man. You have a yep. good night. Thanks so much. See you guys. Good straight, guys.